This episode is sponsored by ProVital Solutions. Rheumatoid, so what it is, is it's actual an autoimmune disease, so your immune system attacks your joints. So it not only causes like pain and inflammation around the joint and stiffness and whatnot, but it can also cause severe fatigue, it can cause eye problems, it can cause a lot of like stomach and because just your body is essentially attacking itself. Fighting itself, yeah, right? Yeah, so right. just like other autoimmune diseases, but... Um, luckily when I was di I mean, when I was diagnosed, I thought that for like the first year I was pity party, like mm. just thought I was going to be in a wheelchair the rest of my life. Like just didn't envision how anyone would ever want me or marry me because who would want someone with this disease? I'm Megan Armstrong. Welcome to life six feet above. Six Feet Above was created when I started to share my story of spending 16 years wanting to be six feet under to now living a life full and happy six feet above. The more that I started to talk about my journey, my struggles and my past, the more I realized people were genuinely interested and not judgmental at all, which is what I'd feared for so long. In fact, other people wanted to talk about their story as well, and for some reason they trusted me to do so. So the Six Feet Above podcast is my way of helping to share other people's stories, finding out what works for them to create a life of happiness. Before we start this episode, I want to let you know it has some explicit language and some very serious subject matter. It may be triggering or sensitive to certain people. Please listen with discretion. This is Candace's story. So welcome to the Six Feet Above podcast. I am interviewing a friend of mine slash coworker now, Candace Cunningham Scott. Welcome to the show. Thank you. You're welcome. It's your first podcast. Don't be nervous. I know I am nervous. <laughs> I'm excited though. I'll just guide you through. I'm excited because this is definitely a, a new topic um, that we really haven't talked about before, which we'll definitely get into. But just tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, what you're doing right now, and then we'll take it from there. All right. I'm, like I said, or like you said, rather, Candace Scott now, Wes Cunningham. Um, <laughs> Newlywed. Yeah. Well, for a year. Newlier so. wed. Yes. Yeah. Newlier yeah. wed. Yeah. Um, crazy year to be first year of marriage. Um, okay. But I am from Marietta, Georgia. Well, Powder Springs, I guess. I went to McEachern High School. So I'm from Georgia um, for the most part. Went to college at the University of Alabama and um, got my degree in finance. Didn't stay in that career very long. Worked for about three years and then transitioned into personal training full time where I have worked at tons of different gyms and done my own thing. I have my own business, Candace C Fitness. And then now I'm at Stat Wellness now with you. Nice. Yes, that's where we are together. Um, but we met several years ago just being in the fitness community. I think, gosh, I think you were Orange Theory, right? Yeah, I think I was. Back in the day? Yeah, I was about to leave. Or I was, I don't remember if I had left yet or I was about to leave Orange yeah, Theory. I think but you were, yeah, you were on the way out, on the way out. So local Georgia girl, have you ever lived anywhere else? Justin other than college no Justin Tuscaloosa when I went to school at the University of Alabama and that's not very far away right mm -mm. I know nothing about the south as far as geography still <laughs> I've been here yeah. for seven years and I'm like wait what where's Alabama <laughs> no it's like I mean 
Tuscaloosa is about three hours okay. from so that's here. a decent so way. Yeah, it's not too far, but it's not too close either. Yeah, like <laughs> far enough away that you're not still in Atlanta, but close enough if you need to go home during college. Yep. Right? Exactly. So tell me about growing up in the South, because it's probably very different than my experience, and your family dichotomy, you know, brothers, sisters, what your parents did, um, just kind of your background history. Yeah, so I... I'm an only child and I Me too. Yeah. <laughs> grew up with um my mom and dad were separated when I was I think in 5th grade. So my dad wasn't around a whole lot. It was mostly me and my mom until my stepfather came into the picture my junior year of high school. And high school I was just a disaster in high school. I was not a model student by any means. And um, my mom will straight up tell you that she (laughs) lost her daughter for a few years. But then I came back. I kind of did opposite of most people and like went crazy in high school versus Mm. college and got my stuff together in college. So um, but I mean, I was a good kid. I made decent grades, whatnot. But um, my mom started dating my stepdad when I was in high school. And so she was gone a lot too, because he lived in Alpharetta, which was a little ways away from where we lived. But um, I mean, then went to school at Alabama, like I think I've mentioned like five times now. Um, (laughs) Then I got a job back here in Atlanta with a company doing financial, I was a financial analyst. And then just realized I didn't like it. So um, I was diagnosed while I was in college with rheumatoid arthritis. And at that point in time, kind of started within a year or so, really kind of turning to fitness and stuff to really know or really help my joints because Mm -hmm. my doctor recommended it. And as a result, I just kind of fell in love with it and how I felt from it and wanted to share it with others. And so fast forward to here and doing personal training basically full time now for almost I think six or seven years so I mean that's kind of my background I guess but okay yeah. we're gonna dive in yeah okay so <laughs> let's talk about growing up like mm-hmm. your dad obviously wasn't in the picture I can't mm-hmm. I would imagine that's difficult a for you you said you were in fifth grade yeah so they separated when I was in fifth grade and I do you remember like what happened or what well like, they're just complete they got married right out of high school mm. and complete opposites like my dad like has never grown up and he'll tell you that right straight up he raced motorcycles professionally right. just I mean he's just very much different than my mom who is very by the book like mm. just rule follower more yeah. so, more or less and yeah. so they I mean they still would talk but they it wasn't like terribly ugly as far as like them separating or whatnot but they didn't get their divorce finalized until I think I was in like eighth grade or something so it was like my dad was always kind of around but not really like you weren't spending time at his house and then your mom's house like you Mm -hmm. were pretty much full-time with your mom yeah and she was working and and yeah my mom worked uh, like she's always been a hard worker and so she had a job like I think the job at the time she was working in Alpharetta too so she would drive like commute an hour at least to and from each day to work and so then at the time as I was transitioning into like getting older and middle school is just a weird age to be I mean everyone's just awkward in middle school to begin with so um 
I mean, she just wasn't as much around. So I think that led to me kind of getting more into trouble and stuff when I was younger at that because I just had more free time or time to do things. Yeah. Well, and I think also as an only child, you learn how to be independent very young. Yes. So then like I would imagine once you're with just one parent and that parent is like paying the bills and the overhead, like you're even more independent because they're gone a lot more. Right. Right. Did you ever feel like, you know, like abandoned by your dad or did that ever play into the picture or looking back? Like, did you ever struggle with that later on? Yeah, no, my um, I mean, my dad and I are pretty good now, but I can definitely see like in my relationships and stuff, Mm -hmm. even with my husband now, there's definitely issues of where when arguments happen or something, I just kind of think they're going to leave. Right. And so trust issues for sure. Sure. Um, Just because I can remember my dad growing up saying multiple times that he would, he was going to be home for dinner. My mom would cook dinner like some nights when she was home and then he would never just, yeah, he was just working late or whatnot. So things like that, that I just definitely, I can tell later on in life that I have definite trust or have had trust issues from stuff like that. Right. Right. Which makes total sense. So you say you lost yourself like in high school and Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, I, I would say, a lot of people go through something like that and in different circumstances. So what does that mean for you? Um, as far as like losing yourself, you know, like going through physical changes or mental changes or emotional changes or all of it kind of at once. And how did it affect your relationship with your mom? Yeah, I, for me, that was more in high school. The, it was definitely physical, but it was also, just mentally and just thinking that I was super independent, Mm kind of like what you touched on Mm -hmm. before. And I just wanted to do, I wanted everything my way. I wanted to do all the things and just, I would go party with friends Mm -hmm. and stuff. And we would like steal my mom's car in the middle of the night because we knew how to work. We had a really loud air conditioner in our house (laughs) and we knew how to time things so we could sneak out of my house and stuff. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, I never did anything like terrible, terrible, but it was definitely, I mean, just not an ideal child by any means. And it definitely put a strain on my mom and I's relationship. And I mean, I was a total brat for sure when I was like 16. And then when my stepdad came into the picture, God bless him, like (laughs) he didn't know what hit him because he had no children. And he gets this 16-year-old, 17-year-old like bratty daughter that he didn't ask for. And um, I mean, we would embarrass my mom and stuff too in front of him, just like Just like you and your friends, you mean? Yeah, 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 me and my friends. Yeah. Because we'd just always hang out at, I think, because my mom was gone so much, everyone would always congregate at my right, house right so <laughs> I mean I was you're just the not, party house I feel like yeah, yeah. we probably were yeah I, sure. I had friends like that yeah and I mean it definitely put a strain on our relationship but we still by the end of like my senior year I think I'd started coming around I'd started dating someone who was older and had kind of a better head on his shoulder yeah. so it pulled me away from some of the friends that mm-hmm. I was hanging around with who probably were bad news and um they and my mom I mean we finally kind of got to the point where like I would just be honest with her and stuff and she'd be like I'd almost rather know what you're doing versus you lie to me right but 
not that it was good either right, way. Right. However, we, and I mean, now we're super close. So we definitely had years of fighting and arguing and yeah. me saying I'm moving out or leaving and I had nowhere Stealing to go. Stealing cars and yeah, fighting. Yeah, exactly. Are, are they, are, is your, is your mom and your stepdad still together? Yes. Okay. So you learned to like him or he yeah, learned to like you yes. or. Yeah. And my stepdad and I are really close now. So he's, <clears throat> sorry, he's been a almost more of a father figure in certain aspects to me than my real father. Right. So. Right. Which makes sense. And I'm sure, you know, when you're going through that as a teenager, a being a teenager is hard enough with, with two parents that love each other and it's good family mm-hmm. dynamic, but then enter a stepdad. I, I would imagine like, you know, your mom, there's some, a lot of resentment yeah. from you and your mom's trying to, to pay the bills and also trying to make herself happy mm-hmm. and got a daughter as well. So I can't imagine like how it was toxic it probably yeah, was. There was points. one time I, I just remember I had left for whatever reason I would write in my agenda like that we had from school that they gave us like everything that I did like legit was doing. And so the things that I would lie to my mom about that I was doing, but I was actually doing and I left it on our kitchen table or something <laughs> and I can remember my stepdad just went through it and uh. I I think at that point like he's told me before that he almost like left at that uh. point because he was just like I because the fight we got into he's like I don't think I can do this oh no so yeah but well, he didn't no he here did we not. are he did not here we are he so you kind of got yourself together started mm-hmm. dating somebody um feel like you know you're kind of turning a new leaf I would say once you go to once you go to college Mm -hmm. and then you're kind of slapped with this new diagnosis Mm -hmm. so explain to us how old were you did you say I was 19 or 20 I believe it was my second year or second to last year in college okay so you're junior you're probably 21 2021 yeah um, you're diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis Mm -hmm. let's break that down what does that mean so rheumatoid arthritis is when I was 20 I thought it was just a just arthritis where it meant like joints were bad right I like I had never even thought or I don't know if I'd even heard really of rheumatoid arthritis like, before what I happened was diagnosed. to you like you started feeling a certain way yeah so I was living in my sorority house at the time and I can remember just waking up in the morning and going down the stairs and just feeling like my feet were super stiff like Mm. just standing on my feet felt weird and um some other like my hands were kind of stiff and just felt awkward and I remember actually talking to my real dad about it and um he mentioned that he had he was like well when you come home next time he's like how long has this been going on when you come home next time we're gonna go see one of my doctors um and I didn't really understand why but as soon as I got there my the doctor who's still my rheumatologist to this day um just kind of looked at me and he was like well yeah you're your father's daughter for sure because my dad has rheumatoid arthritis and I knew my dad had arthritis because he raced motorcycles all like I've seen him when I was really little I can remember seeing him break more bones than like evil Knievel in a sense like he's broken his neck his back he's He's insane, but um, <laughs> is that what he did for a living? No, he just oh did okay, that, that was just on the side. Yeah, okay. it was just on the spine. Okay, um, but he has broken multiple bones, so his joints have always looked a hot mess. And I thought that 
he just had arthritis. I didn't know. Like circumstantial. Yeah. From like yeah. osteoarthritis, yeah. like okay. where it's just your joints. So in rheumatoid, so what it is, is it's actual an autoimmune disease. So your immune system attacks your joints. So it not only causes like pain and inflammation around the joint and stiffness and whatnot, but it can also cause severe fatigue. Mm. It can cause eye problems. It can cause a lot of like stomach and because just your body is essentially attacking itself fighting itself yeah so just like other autoimmune diseases but um luckily when I was I mean when I was diagnosed I thought that for like the first year I was pity party like Mm. just thought I was going to be in a wheelchair the rest of my life like just didn't envision how anyone would ever want me or marry me because who would want someone with this disease and then I started doing more and more of like finding out more, doing more research and stuff about it. And it uh, it's actually diagnosed pre- predominantly in like 20 and 30 year old women. Really? Yeah. Which I had no idea. So, and, and there's no, and that's the crazy thing about autoimmune is like, it can just happen. Mm-hmm. Like nothing. Uh, do we know if like foods or hormones or anything really trigger it or make you more susceptible? Um, I mean, so I've heard differing sides, like, it's not necessarily when and what I choose to believe. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know if it's correct, but that you can carry, so you can carry the gene or whatnot. So like my dad had it, right? Okay. but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to get it. It's a lot of environmental factors that come in and then kind of like your rain barrel in a sense, you almost mm. get filled up and then with so much toxic. And I mean, I, ate all the fast food growing up. I was not a healthy eater. I wasn't what I am now. Like I did not pay attention to any of that kind of stuff then. And, um, so I don't know if there was just a bunch of things like stresses happening in my body or exposure that it just finally kind of happened or came about or what, but contributed to it or whatever. yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, and then they'll say, or there's a lot of studies showing how like leaky gut and stuff like that can have an effect Mm. on can cause autoimmune diseases just from different things leaking into your body. So, I mean, I don't know is the answer I can give you. I don't know the exact thing that caused it, but I mean, it's, I've been able, luckily at that point I was put on a medicine that, and for a while I was on IV treatments about every six to eight weeks that are classified almost like chemotherapy, like that type of drug. Granted that doesn't make your hair fall out or anything, Mm. but they're, they're intense and it helped. I went into remission for a little while and then it came back, but. And you're still in college at this point? No. So yeah, when I was diagnosed, I was in college and then, um, so I'd started the treatments and whatnot pretty quickly because one thing is they were able to diagnose me pretty quickly because my doctor kind of looked at a few things and then did whatever right blood work. I was going to say, is it just a bunch of blood yeah, tests? Yeah, it's a bunch or? of blood tests okay. that he looked at. I know it's a lot of like different, like the C-reactive protein yeah. and other things like that. But um, yeah, I was diagnosed quickly and I responded good to the treatment that they initially put me on, which was Remicade. And, um, I mean, I was on that for a couple years and after that time I'd moved back to Georgia and started my job or whatnot at, as a financial analyst. And I mean, just the first year was the, definitely the toughest, like I mentioned, as far as like mentally. And then I really kind of dove into 
when I got back to Atlanta, um, working out and just, I fell in love with it in a sense. Like I had, I worked, I was a cheerleader and stuff and competitively in, um, high school and danced, but so I'd worked out in my life, but never like lifted weights and done things in that nature. And that's kind of what my doctor encouraged me to do. And so, um, as I kind of started doing that more and more, I did start to feel better. Really? Like your joints, your body, the fatigue. mm -hmm. And so I was, it just kind of like clicked that, you know, I want to do, like, I love this. I want to help other people see that like exercise can help them in a sense, not just with RA, but with other, whatever they're going through. Right. And, um, so I just, I worked there for a little while and then started finally after, I think a year of talking about taking a personal training test or getting certified. I finally did. Um, and then worked, went down to part-time at this job because they offered it to me, which was nice. And then started personal training and then kind of just evolved from there. Well, let's talk about the actual diagnosis. Cause like, I I would imagine when you're, you know, 21, Mm -hmm. right. You're supposed to be living it up. You're in college, like no cares in the world. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you're diagnosed with this disease, Mm -hmm. which sounds so extreme when we're like disease. Right. Um, but it is, and it, it makes you feel like there's something wrong with you and that what guy's going to want me. Mm -hmm. And cause I remember all of this when I was, you know, diagnosed at 16, I was like, geez, (laughs) what a disaster, (laughs) you know? So what advice would you give? And we'll get into more of like, the treatment and, and mm-hmm. what you do today, but what advice would you give, you know, a young female in their twenties that is kind of going through something similar because autoimmune disease is on the rise mm-hmm. and, and not just RA, but all oh. different types. And it, it's probably due to the environmental factors, um, the, the pesticides and everything is contributing to it. Right. Mm-hmm. So nobody teaches us growing up, especially females to really pay attention to their food for reasons like this. Mm -hmm. We all think pay attention to food for your weight, right? Instead of pay attention to food for your actual health and what can happen to your body over time. So what would you say to someone that's, you know, struggling or was just diagnosed with something similar and, and kind of in that, that, awful mental state where you just feel like the world is collapsing and caving in and and you don't have any control over things that they have. I mean, there's just so much that I think over the past 10 years, even since I've been diagnosed that doctors and especially like with the side of functional medicine rising and the, how big and almost more present that is than it was when I was diagnosed. I mean, I don't even, I'm sure it was around, but I had no idea about it, but just that there's hope in that you don't have to think that you're alone Mm -hmm. in this. There's so many people I'm super active with the arthritis foundation Mm -hmm. as well. And I mean, we have connect groups where we're meeting with, um, virtually now, but like in the Atlanta area, I'm over a connect group in the Atlanta area, but there's tons of resources and people that you can connect with that you're not alone. And there's so many people that are going through similar things that you can lean into or lean on and, or want to help, want to talk. Like I, I love talking to other people who have 
the disease or are just were diagnosed. I mean, it's never easy to hear any mm-hmm. sort of diagnosis sure. because you just automatically, I think most of us are wired to think the worst mm-hmm. and no matter how hard we try to think positive, but just know that you can live with this disease, especially if it's caught early. Mm-hmm. It's so much there's just so much that they can do now to help like lower your inflammation levels and really take charge. And now that you have options with functional medicine where they can start looking at more of the root cause, Mm -hmm. like I think that is something that is such a positive in our society today that we do have and that shouldn't be overlooked. I'm not saying do just one or the other, but doing a combination of both for sure is a, is something that I think, anyone with autoimmune issues should look into. Should look into. Mm-hmm. And, and also like knowing, like, I think sometimes when we're diagnosed with something or we hear something's going on with our body, it's easy to get in that negative space like you're talking about. But also knowing that like, it's okay to be in that negative space for a minute. Mm-hmm. And if we constantly just push that down and ignore it, it's always going to be there. Yeah. And that's something too, is just talking or just letting people no, like you don't want to just suppress your emotions. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've been guilty of that numerous times in my life, but it just, like you said, it festers and it builds and it builds, and then it's going to erupt into something right. worse. And if go talk to someone, there's plenty of therapists and yeah. things. I mean, people who are willing, I mean, even friends and loved ones that probably want to talk to you. And I, we all have things that are going on within us that we may not realize right or the other person may not realize rather so it's not like you're alone in your problems we all have problems like what i'm like everyone's got something yes everyone has got something we all seriously have something (laughs) you just may not be able to see it yes you know so you started to do the research you you started to become vocal about it um did it affect you other than you know first becoming diagnosed and and that sort of thing did it affect you mentally later on like how many years ago was this now so let's see I I, I know it's like let's do the math real quick this is I think it was 2008 when I was diagnosed so 31 32 34 34 so yeah it's like 13 years ago okay okay so um I mean as far as back then I mean my mindset's totally different like than what it was then but I mean I can remember just like just sitting on the floor and just crying and stuff and just thinking that I was just going to be just alone for the rest of my life and yeah. I wasn't going to be able to walk. And I mean, that's definitely not the case, right. but it's just when you get hit with something that hard or that big, especially at a young age, yeah. then it's, I think it's even harder to hear and handle. Right. Well, your dad's the one that took you to the doctor. Mm-hmm. So did he kind of step up at this point in your life or was that just like a, a one and done? Nah, sort of thing? I mean, so my dad and I, like we've had an off and on relationship. Like, I mean, we've never, except for right after my wedding, which is a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> we've never not communicated like at least once a month in okay, some way, shape okay. or form, but it's just ways of he's full. He's always been someone who, is full of like false promises mm-hmm. or like says things and never follows through. Got it. So yeah, I mean, he would do things here and there like that. And he knew, I mean, I love my doctor, so I'm thankful he connected me with him. Um, but 
I just you're no. kind of on your own after yeah, that. No, yeah, no, my dad like he doesn't get treatments or anything yeah. anymore for RA. He just got it. Head. Got it. Yeah. So you're going through your twenties. You're you're diagnosed. You're doing the work. You're figuring out like where um you know where you need to spend time as far as like research and really kind of finding that. I, th- I think it's funny because I'm in fitness and I think people that may not be in fitness might think, wait, you're going to go lift weights and you have issues with your joints and your bones. Like wouldn't that do the, the complete opposite? And in fact, it actually supports and, and helps. Mm-hmm. So, and that's like for women, you know, there's still this stigma about lifting weights in general. Um, so do you remember like if, if, who suggested that your doctor you start lifting? Yeah, my doctor suggested, well, he just kind of suggested for me to do more resistance training. Okay. So then okay. I just kind of took that into, well, I mean, I just wanted to, I think I was living, I just kind of moved back to Atlanta. I had mm. just my own apartment by myself and the or bucket area. And I was like, I just want to join a gym and yeah. like, I, maybe it's a way to meet more people. Cause it was weird growing up in Atlanta and then coming back after mm. college, it was like all of my friends were either still away at college or not everyone came back. So it was totally different where I used to have my own group of friends and everything before college. Right. And then now it's like, okay, I'm in the city that I grew up in right. and yet or kind of grew up in, but there's not my group. My, friend group isn't quite the same but or very here. much on your own again. yeah so yeah. I'm kind of on yeah. my own so I also just joined I think for that reason and um yeah and just started kind of I mean I don't know I think I would use like bodybuilding.com like workout <laughs> plans at first and stuff and like I, I don't know it, it I just would do random stuff but it I definitely could tell that I just felt better yeah. now attribute it to just the lifting weights or the endorphins that come with it. Right. I, I mean, it could be, a, it was probably a combination of both, but it definitely made a difference in my life. And just, I could tell the positive changes in it. And it actually led to where I actually competed in um, bikini, like bodybuilding. Really? For, yeah, I did for like three years. No way. Yes. I don't think I knew that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please don't Google it. Um, but yes, Listen, I did. We, we all have things in our past that we're like, I'm just grateful social media was not around when I was in college. Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> um, so at what point did you jump ship and you're like, peace out to the financial world, let's go fitness? Well, I took, so I think I, I worked for about three years um, for Office Depot's corporate company mm. that I was an analyst and auditor for. And I mean, I had a great like people that I worked with, but I just knew after about a year and a half, I think is when I knew that I needed to, that I wanted to do it. Right. And so right. once I finally took the test and I kind of had talked to someone about the, or a couple people about training like at their gym yeah. and whatnot, and I got an opportunity to, so I decided to leave and just do that. But when I decided to leave, my company offered me to stay on part-time, which was kind of nice. Yeah. So I could have some extra money, but, um, yeah. So I started that and went to one gym and that just didn't quite work out. And then I kind of went on, finally decided, I think about a year into it. Cause I went to, I went, I think I trained at two different gyms within the first year mm-hmm. and, um, just didn't like really either one of them. Yeah. And so I started my own thing, did a, started in-home personal training. And I mean, and at this point I was also, I think this was, no, 
can't remember if that was around the time if I competed. I think I started doing the competitions like when I was still at my financial job too, like was the first year and then kind of transitioned. But anyways, I've just jumped around personal training at different places. And do you train people like with RA? Like, is that your specialty? Do people come to you for that? I have. Yes, I've trained people with RA and I've definitely worked like remotely with a lot of people. But primarily now my focus is I work with women um, with I've worked with multiple women with different autoimmune diseases and also just I I'm certified in corrective exercise and um, pre and postnatal corrective exercise. So that's my passion is just functional movement and like learning the and teaching people proper movements, just not just to lose weight, but Mm -hmm. for life. Because we I mean, how many people do you know that get injured picking up their purse or picking up something off the ground? And it's like, if we knew how to move properly, then that wouldn't happen. Right. Or it shouldn't happen. I think a lot of people don't know what functional movement means, right? It's literally like, okay, you go to sit down in a chair. Mm -hmm. Let's train your body to do that correctly. So that as you get older, you can keep doing that or you know, carrying grocery bags or, or whatever. So that's when we talk functional movement, that's what we mean. Yeah. The body moves in a certain way in real life. We replicate that in the gym and then we add weight to it and we make the muscle stronger. Exactly. So now that we've defined functional movement, let's define functional medicine. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, you, you took care of the, the movement side and, and getting your body feeling better physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but the functional medicine side, which is where we work at a facility on the West side called stat wellness. And, uh, the owner is incredibly brilliant in, in functional medicine. It is literally finding the root cause of why something is happening versus here's a prescription. Yes, right? exactly. Uh, she spends an hour with you in your, in your first patient, uh, meeting versus like 15 minutes at your primary care mm-hmm. doctor. And we, she really spends a time researching um, what's going on with your body. So how did you hear about functional medicine and, and that that might be a treatment for RA? Um, I started listening to podcasts actually okay. is one of the biggest things. I mean, I had heard somewhat, I think through just different social media things about mm-hmm. um, functional medicine. And I started listening to a podcast. Um, it's Dr. Stephen Cabral and he's just talks all about functional medicine type stuff and just I really started kind of diving into researching more especially the gut connection Mm. stuff because I've also had gut issues over the years as well and so I'm like I probably definitely have something going on there and so I'd start implementing it and then um I think I guess it's been about a year and a half since I've started with Kristen but I mean she's my first official functional doctor I guess you could say but I've done like different I don't even remember what type of medicine it was it's like um I mean I've researched like Ayurvedic medicine Mm. and stuff like that too and um I've seen there was some doctor I went to where it was like dealt with colors it was very odd but (laughs) it was like a chiropractor but then he did kinesiologist or I don't know I apologize if that's (laughs) someone's profession I'm saying something totally wrong but um anyways it um I've done different things but that never had anything looked at just as in depth as what we've done. So what, what did, her. when you tell her you have RA, what's kind of the initial, or basically when anyone's like, I have an autoimmune, mm-hmm. what's kind of the first go-to? What, what do we look at first in functional medicine? Um, the gut, 
honestly. I mean, the gut and also looking at just inflammation levels and your blood work and Which stuff like that. Which they can tell by blood work, right, mm-hmm. right. And then from there, I think the, the, one of the, and, and I'm only saying this because functional medicine is new to me this year, um, it's the hardest part is it's kind of a guessing game, right? But you don't want, you know, just somebody hand over a bunch of medications. You want to really figure out why something's happening, but it means when we talk gut gut health, okay, eliminating this, this, and this, and then you've got to wait six to eight weeks and then you got to do your blood work again and be like, did this work? However, once you kind of get to the the bottom of it, it is like a huge weight off your shoulders because you're like all this time, this is what my body does not jive with. Mm-hmm. Right. So what was it for you? Do you, the, the, well, the so that's kind inflama- of inflama- inflammatory <laughs> foods. Yeah. <laughs> so I try to keep, um, yeah, not a lot of processed stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up on tons of processed foods. Same. So yeah. it's like, I, I'm sure something Kraft along, mac and cheese. Yeah. That, I mean, we'd ordered pizza all yeah. the time and I mean, I still love pizza, but it's something where you just really focus on, I mean, here and there you can have right. cheats or whatever, right, but right. really eliminating and trying to eat the most natural forms of food just mm-hmm. because that's what our body essentially is made to have. Right. And right. we can't process the other junk. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, eliminating a bunch of, and I had been pretty good. I mean, I've, I'd started eating better. Like back when I started competing, mm-hmm. we really, is when I really changed all my eating habits. Um, so that's been probably, I mean, eight or year, years or so, but I mean, I've been up and down over that time. Right, and right. I um, definitely, so we have actually never done we haven't done a food sensitivity test oh, on haven't. me because my gut was so out of whack. She felt mm. like it would, everything would come back wrong. <laughs> Be like, just, yes. Just, so just we were water. waiting on that. Yeah. yeah. It's like water for the rest of your life. That's all you get. <laughs> um, but no, uh, we did that. I mean, we implemented things that to help like my gut, like really, really strong probiotics. Mm. And then also, um, just L-glutamine and things to help calm things down. And then also, um, cortisol was also an issue, which can stem from, I mean, stress of any kind, sure. which your gut can cause stress on your body if it's inflamed sure. and if it's, um, perme- if it's permeability or gut permeability, is that how yeah. you say it? I think. Permeability. Um, yeah. yeah, but if the, you have that issue, then it can definitely cause that to increase. So, and I mean, we've seen improvements for sure. Like qu- cortisol has gone down. Um, a lot of my vitamin and like mineral levels have leveled out. We haven't done the gut test again yet but we are going to right right. we were supposed to earlier this year but you know how this year's gone so (laughs) but no tell me about it we're gonna go there (laughs) we're gonna go there next yes (laughs) yes well i'm that's it's it's refreshing to hear that you know it's very much a journey but if you are dedicated Mm -hmm. and you know this is your body this is what we've got to deal with and either you kind of take responsibility for it or you're angry about it forever and that doesn't help the situation nope right so it's like okay just taking responsibility and some people are dealt with a shittier hand than others um and then but like you know i think your story lies in your, your struggle through that is very much your purpose now yeah. Right. And your why. Yeah. I mean, I say that my like rheumatoid arthritis was a blessing in disguise for mm-hmm. me because I feel like I wouldn't, 
if I mean, who knows, but I definitely don't think I would be in the position I am today. And I've been I've been very lucky with my personal training career. I mean, the first couple of years were definitely sucky, but <laughs> I mean, that's with any that's with any job or any or job. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it um, I've definitely been I'm definitely thankful for a lot of the opportunities I've had um, and just being able to reach people. And then I, like I said, I'm involved with arthritis foundation, which I'm super passionate about. And I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like if you don't have some purpose, then with what you do every day, then Mm -hmm. you're not going to stick with anything and you're not going to keep driving towards what you are figuring out what you ultimately want out of Mm -hmm. life. And Mm -hmm. I think it's taught me a lot because it's made me change my mindset because I mean, I definitely still have down days and stuff. I mean, human, but there's still a different way to look at things once you've kind of been to the bottom. I'm not saying, and I, I'd hate saying that, but in a sense, like, I feel like I definitely did when I was first diagnosed, just feel like my world was over. Yeah. If that makes sense. Well, that's and your so, rock bottom. Yeah. Right? That's, that's was the worst part of your life so far, sure. maybe, or maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope. So are you more susceptible to viruses and... I mean, that's, uh, you would think so. And yeah, I mean, the thing is, is you don't really know. So the medicines that when you have an auto or, or at least rheumatoid arthritis, right. when you have an autoimmune disease, right. you, your immune system is overactive. So right. if you're not getting treatment for it, it's like constantly in overdrive. So it's going to attack anything and everything, mm-hmm. which is a negative, but it can be a positive when you think about viruses right. or whatnot. True. However, when you start taking medicine for it, it suppresses your immune mm-hmm. system. So that's where you get that more susceptibility to viruses and whatnot, more than likely is from taking medicine to control Got it. The vi- or your disease. So Yes, that okay. would be my okay. That's a long, a long one in answer yes. saying yes, 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 yes. Um, which brings us to our next topic, the, the, the corona. Hey guys, it's Megan. I'm excited to introduce you to our new sponsor, ProVital Solutions. ProVital is a wellness solutions company that I'm proud to partner with to bring you this episode of Six Feet Above. They are passionate about health, wellness, and community. Their first two product lines are the purest, highest quality hemp oil supplement products on the market. I'm a fan of the PVS team and I've been using the ProVital Full Spectrum Oil and the ProVital Performance Gummies for the past few weeks. ProVital Solution products are quickly becoming the preferred choice of athletes, health and wellness advocates, and even active octogenarians. In fact, the PGA has approved the ProVital Performance product line, and PGA rookie Matt Neesmith is a part of the PVS team. Please visit ProVitalSolutions.com to read more about this wonderful company and use the code Six Feet Above at checkout to get 5% off on all products you purchase. Mm-hmm. The COVID. Oh, yeah. Which, unfortunately, you had to go through. I did. What, was that like two months ago now? I don't know. Yeah, yeah I think somewhere so. in this year. Yeah, somewhere in this year. So it's it's crazy though because you tested positive and mm-hmm. your husband still has not. Yes, that's the weird part. And I mean, it's weird too because the beginning of all this COVID stuff, we heard so much, and I mean, still hear that autoimmune diseases you are more susceptible right. to it. And right. I mean, I've been on medication. Granted. 
I, I don't know. Like it, I definitely had a milder case of it, but yeah. it still was not fun yeah. at all because, yeah. and I'm sure we'll get into this, but like just the mental side of it is what affected me the most with the whole thing. So the mental side, and I guess, you know, we're talking about personal training and it's one of those fields where you don't really get paid unless you work. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of jobs that offer two week vacation and 401ks and all the perks. Nope. You are working for yourself, really. Even if you're working at a studio, you're still very much working for yourself. So, um, you know, when you were diagnosed with that, was it your mental health challenged by not working or something else or kind of all of it? So the biggest thing that I think got to me with the whole thing, I mean, yes, I felt bad. Yes, I was sick, but it was more or less like going through my past week and thinking about every person I'd been around and then having to tell them that, oh, I have, you probably want to get tested because I just tested positive for COVID. And that just made me feel just so and I mean no one was mean or anything like that but I just felt I mean honestly like a leper like right just no one wanted to be like because you can't go around anyone and then my husband tells his had to tell his um company that I tested positive because he had been in their office right granted not many people were in their office or anything but he had been in there and so they shut down his office and so it's still shut down and um so he had to, he felt the same way and yet he never tested positive for it. he's not gotten sick which is just weird to me because I thought for sure he would have it but yeah. he did not and um so you just feel so, responsible yeah you just yeah. feel responsible and there's like nothing you can do it's like I you try to do everything right but you just don't know and like I had been in an event the couple that week like a luncheon and like I I mean I just felt so guilty yeah. and I, I was around my best friend who was pregnant the day before I got sick and I mean it was just just telling people was definitely the hardest part and then just after the fact just trying to get testing and Ugh. trying to get a negative test right. when you still keep you felt fine for 10 days and right you still test positive. And then it's then, I mean, that part, I think after I got over the sick part, that's when I started like the not working part really Mm -hmm. started getting to me. Cause I mean, like you said, like you don't make money if you don't work. So, right. Right. And And the, the, you know, not that the unemployment thing is great in Georgia either. So yeah. And yeah. And like, I don't know, just the thought of I was in my own head too much also thinking like, well, no one's probably going to want to come near me when I do test negative. Mm -hmm. Like, do I like how soon is too soon to go back to the studio or like how soon should like are my clients going to want to train with me and are they going to want to keep their distance, even though I mean, I'd been symptom free for almost two weeks, I think by the time I came back. But still, it's like there's just so much on so many unknowns with this virus that you just don't know what anyone's going to think yeah. and you can't get mad at them for thinking any way, shape right. or form. Cause we just, none of yeah. us know anything. <laughs> yeah, it's, just fr- it's frustrating. It's frustrating all around. And I think at the end of the day, you just have to do what's right for you. And if mm-hmm. you have clients that are like, I don't feel comfortable coming back. Like you can't get mad at it, but it, it definitely doesn't feel good. Like right. you said, kind of feels like you, you know, got this like big a on your shirt. Seriously. Or right? That's what I felt like. Like I, we'd, go to the grocery store like after I was 
feeling like I was fine. And still, I just felt like everyone was looking at me, but not a single person in the grocery store right. knew that right. I had COVID. Right, right, right. I just felt like that. It's just, uh, you just, I don't know. And then just not to mention, we live in a two bedroom condo that is just, he was working and then I'm there and it's just, yeah. it was too, too close quarters for literally 14 days right. of not leaving. So. Right, right. It was a lot, but we survived it. So survived it. You're stronger because of it. (laughs) And do you think about, you know, what it means for your, your health in the future? I mean, I don't know because the worst part of it for me was I had these headaches that were made me super nauseous Mm -hmm. and, um, they just were constant and like, I didn't really have that many respiratory issues or anything like that, but it was just the headaches. And honestly, like, I feel like I've had a couple like off and on since then, but I mean, nothing else. And I was literally listening to something this morning. A doctor was talking about like the long, how they're saying long-term effects for some people, or you can have certain symptoms up to six to months to a year after. And it's like, based on other SARS viruses or whatnot. And I don't know. I mean, I hope that I don't have any long-term effects, but just have to see. But you're clearly good at researching and taking yeah. your health into your own hands. Yeah. And I, I'm a nerd like that. Like I love for it. Yeah. yeah. I tried. I will do all the supplements and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, taking care of yourself is, is huge and that's always going to be a priority. Is there anything else that you do for your mental health, physical health, rheumatoid, um, arthritis, um, that you want to share? I think that one thing that's definitely important with probably any autoimmune disease is just make, making sure you get enough sleep. Mm. And it's something when that I, so I mentioned earlier how my, I'd put, uh, my RA had gone into remission for about a year or so. And around the year after that, I had started, um, training, I think it was at Orange Theory, actually, at this time. And I had a ton of early morning classes where I would have to wake up at 4am. And after a while doing that is when I started feeling sick again, and just run down and my RA came back. And since about that point, like I've just really made sure that I take as much time, like I really emphasize sleep and recovery. Mm -hmm. So if like, I don't do 5am stuff anymore, like I just won't because my health is more important to me than that. And sorry. Yeah. But I, I don't do super early mornings and I just really try to prioritize just making sure that I'm getting enough time for me and like try to not think of it as selfish and not meaning like I spend all day just doing whatever I want, but like, in the morning, I love just starting my day with like quiet time, like 10 minutes of just like either thinking or just not, I'm not good at meditating. I wish I was, but <laughs> I'm not. And, um, but reading or doing something that's yeah. just like quiet and just kind of setting my mind for the day, yeah. I guess. And that's something. And I just try to listen to my body. I've really tried to learn what that means and how that works and not the difference between like, Oh, I'm just lazy and don't want to go run versus I really shouldn't because X or Y, or I got no sleep last night type of thing. Um, so I think just learning to listen to my body and just, I mean, eating the best that you can, not saying you don't have to eat perfectly all the time, but just 
choosing better options when you can adding color to your plate. Mm -hmm. Like that's a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you drink alcohol? Yeah. You do. Yeah. I mean, I don't something you like stay away from completely, but no, I, um, I mean, I didn't drink for a few years. So like the whole time I competed, I didn't drink. And then I've never been a huge, huge, like I just love drinking, Mm -hmm. but I'll have a couple of glasses of wine on the weekends, but that's yeah, probably the, that's basically the well, extent it's good of to it. know that you can still like, yeah you can but I definitely that. think I could like I also try to make sure I stay hydrated and right, stuff too right. and but it doesn't it can affect like certain foods like I know gluten and dairy like I can't because my joints will hurt the next day really? if I eat that like yeah that quick you can feel mm-hmm. it oh yeah. wow okay so certain things I can definitely tell a difference when I eat or drink but I mean alcohol in general I think is okay in moderation right sure 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 of course um you mentioned podcasts what Mm -hmm. we were talking about this the other day that um you know we don't even like do radio stations still exist Mm -hmm. I actually do listen to the radio a lot just because I like like the live aspect of it um but what are your go-to podcasts right now what are you listening to right now I love um Called, and I think it's because part of, well, this is not like I've, I've listened to a ton of health ones. Mm-hmm. So like I mentioned earlier, I like do- the equilibrium nutrition, Dr. Mm-hmm. Stephen Cabral's. Um, and then there's one by a Dr. G that I just started listening to that um, his name is Dr. Understore G that's called Heal Thyself. Okay. It's a lot of good stuff. And then I also love um, just for entertainment purposes and whatnot. I love life is short with Justin Long and his mm-hmm. brother and then Dak Shepard's armchair yeah. expert. Yeah, Those yeah, are yeah. like my two favorite. Um, just cause I know I used to watch like the movies like Justin Long was in when I was growing up, like I have a terrible fear of moths <laughs> and he was in like Mothman or not Mothman prophecies. What's that? Jeepers creepers. Oh yeah. 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 And, um, I don't know why, but it's just funny. Like hearing him try to be intelligent and stuff. So <laughs> like, that's all I picture <laughs> I know, you as. <laughs> but, so but, you yeah. offer, you offer virtual training, mm-hmm. um, personal training over at stat, mm-hmm. small group training for people that aren't ready to get back into a class, but have like a friend or two yep. over at stat. And then also you're, you're doing some group classes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah at stat, I offer, I have group classes. Um, I'm doing on Tuesday mornings and then I, like you said, personal training, um, program design and the what pro, personal training can be one-on-one, two-on-one, three-on-one, right, right. if you're comfortable with that. Um, and then, yes, I do have virtual training, too, through my business. But Awesome. So yeah. how can we find you? You can find me at Candice C. Fitness um, on Instagram and all those good places. And then my website's CandiceCFit.com. Amazing. Well, I'm just so impressed that, you know, you took a, a rough situation in your 20s and really made it your career and it's a passion of yours. And that's kind of what the show is all about is, you know, taking a struggle and, and finding its purpose, even when it can take several years to get there, but knowing that the, the journey is, is worth it. And, um, if you stick with it and just stay as positive as possible, it can turn into a life of, of happiness. And not to say that there are not going to be wrenches thrown into your life, like 2020 for all of us, <laughs> for sure. But we're, we're able to deal with it and cope a little bit better because we've coped with this stuff before, right? Your, your parents divorce and your relationship with your dad and being diagnosed at 2021 and 
okay, now COVID this year, like bring it on world, right? Yep, exactly. No, it definitely, I mean, blessing in disguise, live and learn, just get stronger with everything you go through. There you go. Well, thank (laughs) you for sharing your story. I appreciate you being on. Oh, thank you for having me. You're welcome. This episode was sponsored by ProVital Solutions. Make sure to visit ProVitalSolutions.com and enter six feet above at checkout to get your 5% discount. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Six Feet Above podcast. I'm your host, Megan Armstrong. Subscribe so you never miss another episode as a new episode is released every Tuesday. And if you're enjoying the series, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Follow the show on Instagram at Six Feet Above Podcast to keep the conversation going and feel free to reach out to me directly at Megstagram11. This episode is a product of Audiographies, produced by Megan Armstrong and Denora Sapolia, edited by Jacob Smolian, and the music is by Keenan Willis. I'll see you next time.